Hi. I had a really, really excellent conversation yesterday with my friend Carl. He is starting a new community of practice and um, I really see him as a peer. He's He's got some real uh, depth and talent in his work. I feel like I'm learning from him and he's learning from me, so that's really fun. Um, yeah, we had a great conversation about this new community of practice that he's launching and um, I gave him some feedback on the plan and then we very rapidly dropped uh, into more personal territory about what it's like being us, uh, being community weavers in this time. Um, so there's some really cool references in there to like authentic relating and internal family systems therapy and the Tao and Aikido. And um, yeah, Carl's got this idea of a 21st century ashram that's not dogmatic, but it gives you a life, a, gives you a life-giving structure. Um, the kind of routines and, and practices that help you get into a, really healthy interior state and be, be effective in the world. So it was, a, yeah, a real blast of a conversation and uh, he's quite open like me, so quite happy to publish it. That made me very excited, so I'm happy to share that with you today. Okay, let's see. So I could do it two ways. I could share screen or I could send you. I think share screen. Yeah, I'll just do that. I'm doing so much more, of course, uh, <clears throat> online things right now. It's been quite fun to watch some of the innovation happening in the groups that I'm in. Like, mm -hmm. how do you actually do an energizer when you're all sitting on your computer all day? Like, you can do it. You just have to, like, try some stuff and see what works. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts. I, I, you know, in some ways, But I won't, I won't uh, preface it too much. I'll just dive in with you. Yeah, cool. Okay, so this name is sort of a placeholder, Transformational Leadership Path. Um, and present, okay. Okay, so Transformational Leadership Path, co-creating community in service to a world that works for all. And Frederick Laloux quotation, the ultimate goal in life is to become the truest expression of ourselves, to live an authentic selfhood, to honor our birthright gifts and callings and be of service to humanity and our world. Yay. Yay. Um, so why was the Transformational Leadership Path created? We are called together to come together with other people in community to attempt to take wise and courageous action to address the complex challenges of our time, health crises, climate disruption, racism and nationalism, economic inequality, political divisiveness, species extinction, etc. Just a few small challenges. Um, in ways that create connection, heal separation and serve the well-being of all life. We believe that engaging these polarizing challenges requires us to cultivate our capacity to hold multiple perspectives, ground our action in inner and interpersonal work, and cultivate an embodied understanding of individual and collective trauma and oppression. So that's sort of the impetus. Yeah, I recognize those things. Yes, I figured. <laughs> uh, move you off to the side here. Okay. <clears throat> So uh, potential needs fulfilled by participating in TLP, the, you know, the center of it is probably learning skills for facilitating personal, interpersonal and systemic transformation. Uh, in a way, 
kind of related to what you were saying in the interview, this is kind of a combination of uh, like a micro solidarity incubator alongside giving people the skills, the, the practices to sort of flesh out that community of practice. Yeah. Um, so learning skills for facilitating personal interpersonal and systemic transformation, obviously, you know, personal growth and development, community belonging, connection, fun and play, economic interdependence and mutual aid, and collaboration on social change projects. So uh, integrating personal interpersonal and systemic transformation, sort of in the design. And these are the sort of clusters, in some cases like specific practices, in other cases mm. like meta meta competencies that we're intending to sort of initially focus on. I mean, this will take months, but um, so creating community micro solidarity, plugging your term. I've, it's been fun having people ask me, what's micro solidarity? I said, well, <laughs> let me point you toward this article. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, and internal family systems, nonviolent communication and process work being sort of three of the core meta competencies. Mm -hmm. And then some of the specific interpersonal ones around consciously engaging power and privilege, giving and receiving feedback, collaborative decision-making and dynamic governance, mediation and conflict transformation, uh, sort of the inner work of centering and mindfulness, and then sort of moving toward more meta skills around facilitation and coaching life enriching economics and integral nonviolence and direct action. <clears throat> and many of these are sort of woven into the design rather than delivered as topics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the idea of having everybody having at least one buddy mm -hmm. uh, to exchange listening and emotional support, and then people being in at least one pod uh, mm -hmm. of three to six people. So like a crew, um, for practice and peer coaching support. Um, I'm considering whether, you know, we've been playing around with the idea of whether people might have pods like within as well as without that they, that they could, if they already had an existing pod that wasn't all contained within the TLP that they might also do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we all have opportunities to shift among these roles according to our needs, experience, and inclination. So sometimes we're learner, sometimes facilitator, coach, therapist, client, activist, co-designer, shifting. Uh, commitment. So we're doing sort of an initial experiment starting in the next couple of weeks that'll last a month. Uh, and we're asking for a commitment of three hours per week. Um, so facilitated community learning sessions of two hours and then small group or pair practice of at least one hour a week. And then many additional learning, uh, learning sessions, study materials and connection collaboration, collaboration opportunities if you're interested and available. Um, dates and schedule. So we're starting either the week of 13th or the 20th. I think we'll probably be ready to go by the week of the 13th. So next week, okay. uh, initial four week exploration. <clears throat> and then the, the thing that's a bit tricky is that like interest has been actually a little bit higher than I expected. Like I'm keeping it invite only like pretty small prototype. And yet we have, pro we're probably gonna end up with 30 people um, <clears throat> and people around the world, mainly North America and Europe, but some in Asia as well. So it's schedule wise, I, I'm using a, like, do you know when is good? Yeah. 
Yeah, so basically using when is good to try to find two, like looking for two different blocks that would be redundant and then also recording the sessions. And I think it's still gonna be hard to get everybody in, but yeah, gonna see what we can do. And then this is um, sort of like the statement around resources. So um, just telling people if they're excited to join, we want them there regardless of finances and then talking a little bit about what the time and energy we put in and asking for a sliding scale contribution uh, from folks. And then next steps, asking people to meditate on whether they truly have a yes and the availability to commit to this weekly practice, community practice, and then asking them to fill out the scheduler to register, to contribute, and to explore some recommended resources. Next, I'll just go ahead and show you what this is. I may have shared this with you at one point in the past, but this, this is sort of like, you know, m my best attempt to pull together some kind of core resources. So we've got in the, a 20 minute video from Dick Schwartz on internal family mm. systems. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I, yeah, really so. I really recommend this highly, highly, highly. This is applying IFS to social and cultural systems. It's brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I basically you know, copied the text of the chapter and put it into a Google Doc and it's, uh, it's... Do you want to just share that document with me just to yeah, yeah. double check that I've got it? Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole lot. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the link here. Uh, Juicy stuff. Yeah, it's been fun to collect. I'll, I'll drop it in there in one second. And then your Courage Before Hope piece, uh, Introduction to Reinventing Organizations. I basically took the first chapter of the illustrated version, um, uh, a piece on power, privilege, and rank from Arnie Mandel. Um, Leverage points, you know that piece by Dana Meadows. I've never read it. Oh, it's it's super worth it. It is like the classic piece on systems change. Right. She, yeah, uh, and then just uh, an interview with Marshall Rosenberg that gets more at the spirit of NVC rather than getting too much into the form. Yeah, so, cool. yeah. so that's essentially it. I will get out of this. I'll drop the link for that in the chat. Yeah, I'd love to hear your reactions. I mean, obviously it's got a lot of you know, tons of inspiration from what you're up to as well as it's interesting. And I think there's some convergent evolution as well in the sense that, you know, we had been working on, along the similar lines of like pods like that before I had encountered micro solidarity, but you know, of what you're doing, like helped give me the, uh, affirm it to an extent that, that helped me like make it much more central to what we're up to, which is really exciting. So cool. Um, yeah, just just hearing that all is just like, yep, 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 yep. It's, it's really, um, um, there's people that I'm collaborating with that are in dif different depths of experience, I guess, of doing like community building and stuff like that. And some of them I really feel like, oh, I want to have a hand in that to really help shape it. Whereas with this one, it's like, yeah, you, you did it the way that I would have done it. <laughs> with your, obviously with your own flavor, but like, there's nothing that jumps out that I'm like, oh, that's weird or something. Um, I guess I have, um, just the point about how scheduling is diff difficult. Um, I have been, I mean, prior to the pandemic, I've really been scoping down very, um, how do I say it? Like, I don't want to say aggressive, but really being committed to 
a region that's only as big as Europe, you know, and like um, you're one of few people outside of Europe that I'm really uh, taking the time and connecting with and being like, oh, this is really interesting um, because I think we're, we've got such parallel tracks, but I've mostly been really forcibly like cutting it down. Um, but then suddenly everyone's online and it's like, well, we should just connect with everyone everywhere. Um, that's just what's happening. And <laughs> I mean, I can already see my entire calendar has just shifted down by about five hours, you know, it's like to connect with people in the US. Um, and so, yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm still curious about um, the global thing versus the regional thing and, and how, yeah. I mean, definitely for this experiment, it makes sense, but I, I still, I still have this lurking feeling of like, I think it's good how we stopped flying everywhere. <laughs> and if you're going to give people this amazing bonding experience, they're going to want to connect again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, we're kind of baiting people. I'm doing it myself, same as you, like kind of baiting people into doing more flights, you know, next year or whenever it's going to be. And I'm trying to avoid that tendency. Absolutely. And I want to, I, I guess I didn't name this, but I want to be explicit about it. We, we have been talking about just that and I couldn't agree with you more. I think the way that we've been, seeing it is that there, there is a particular beauty at this time. Like I've noticed I've been hosting some international calls and people seem to be really nourished by this sense of planetary community on the one yeah. hand. So I, I think for this yeah. experiment, it's really worth it. And that said, we are explicitly saying to people, we don't want this to be a primarily online thing in the long run. And so we're going to be planning in-person gatherings in in different parts of the world, like helping people create regional gatherings and as soon as is really reasonably possible to encourage people to be building their local networks in just this way. So we're, yeah, we're basically trying to empower people to become basically catalysts in their local area. So absolutely. And, and not asking people from India and Hong Kong and Europe to come to the US, you know, no way. Yeah, you know, cool. There might be the rare occasion when that makes sense. But I think in general, we're really going to try to keep it bioregional. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious in that case about scale and like, how are you thinking about, um, so 30 people felt like a bit of a stretch, um, but then you think about having these multiple regions and lots of stuff. So what's your sort of projections about how yeah. it grows? <clears throat> yeah, I really appreciate it also. I mean, your reflections prior to the interview, but also just hearing it re recapitulated on the interview. I, I really take to heart and the, the thing about scale and, you know, certainly the American tendency toward wanting to supersize, uh, let's supersize our social change. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it's, it's very much aligned with what you've said, which is how do we create really quality intimacy at a small scale? And then, yeah, we might have a global, we will, we already do have a global network. And so just what are the functions that we try to accomplish at those different levels of scale? So it's like, yeah, there, there's certain things that I think are really beautiful about having a global network. And, and as long as we don't expect too much of it and like have it pull our attention too much from the local and the regional, I think that's great. And I, this is a next significant experiment for myself and our network to sort of see, okay, how, how do we get that quality of intimacy and interdependence? And at what's, you know, what does that look like at the level of the pod and at the level of the, of the maybe region or network?
Um, I've been having some fun experiments just in the last couple of weeks with, uh, yeah, how do you facilitate intimacy amongst not strangers, but people who don't know each other, you know, but they have some kind of shared interest. Yeah. Um, and in some ways it feels like even, it's even easier to do it on Zoom than it is in person. Um, I think it's, I think it's the sense of safety of like, I'm in my house, you know, this is our spare room and um, I can just close the lid when I've had enough. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's, it's kind of easier. Um, it's kind of more hygienic in a sense, you know, like you've got this sort of um, barrier between us, which can provide a, a kind of safetyness, safetyness. Yeah. Safetyness. Um, and, and, and then the question is kind of like, yeah, how do you play with the different scales? So like I've done a couple of things in the last few weeks where we had, hmm, the first one was 30 and the second, uh, no, it was like 35. And then the second one was like 70 people on a Zoom call. And then we just put them into breakout groups of three and did it basically like a listening and looping thing, you know? Yep. Um, and, and it was really good. It was excellent. You know, like people really had the sense of being connected with each other in their little group. And then a little bit of report back from what happened in the various groups. And then suddenly the whole group feels like a whole, you know, like we created that we, and it took like, 15 minutes of setup, 20 minutes in breakout, and then 20 minutes of feedback. And it's just like, wow, we already got like, I was already feeling in my heart, like, I don't want to say goodbye to these people, you know. Um, so it is possible to have this very accelerated intimacy, I think it's going to be easy. And even at scale, even with large numbers of people, like, um, I think with the right form, you could easily do it with hundreds of people in, in a go. Um, yeah. Because you've got these infinite rooms, you know, like, um, but then the question is, okay, so you start to get this this uh, enjoyable sensation of a we space, which is my, for me, it's like, give people that, that experience of social fabric. What does it feel like to resonate with someone's emotional experience? You know, like, that's the good shit. Um, but it's also, it's also addictive. And, and it's like, it can be a dead end if all you're doing is going to the we space. And then you like, I mean, that's been, that's been part of the emotional turmoil for me is that having these amazing digital connections. And then half an hour later, like I'm back where I was or even worse because there's this like clash between the digital and the physical. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then the question is that, okay, so how do you go from this lovely, easy, easy to access intimacy to then something that's more sustained. And that seems to be like what you're getting at with this is like, there's a slide called commitment, you know, and it's like, how much are you up for? Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just really curious to see how it plays out as far as the numbers go and like what ratio people drop out and, uh, what ratio people feel like they don't really gel and like is yeah you said three to six so it's like if you have five people does that mean like one person can drop out and you've kind of got like a little all these little uh, details of the social physics i think are really gonna have big impacts yeah so i'm just yeah quite curious to see what you learn from your experiments yeah me too it's interesting i i resonate so much with what you're saying and that i've been experimenting with a a for a while it was a few calls a week and now it's a weekly call that I'm just calling circles of hope. And it's basically a drop in for a certain network of people. And yeah, it's been quite easy using the exact same format you're describing. I do a little opening. I give some people some sort of general prompts, break them into groups of three. We spend 20, 30 minutes there. We come back and it's lovely, really connected. And at the same time, yeah, I, I find myself a little, well, quite unfulfilled on some level. I feel like, great, people feel a little bit more connected, less alone, that's great, they're happier. But that's where I really was like, I, I want to be giving people these tools and practices because I notice 
even people who are coming from conscious backgrounds don't necessarily always have all the tools and competencies to be able to work through what's going on or to get something meaningful done together, et cetera. So yeah. you know, that's, that's why that, that component, as well as to actually have a pod of people to go deeper with, because yeah. sure, it's nice to meet a stranger, but it, it's completely different to have somebody that's like, oh, Rich, you're my weekly person and I, and I can reach out to you any time in the week. You know, and, and that we begin to lean on each other in that way. That's a completely qualitatively different thing. And then, as you know, like about a month later, if we begin to look at, okay, so what are the projects we're working on? You know, and, and my thought is to actually basically create a Google spreadsheet with everybody's information, basically contact information, name, and help people self-organize in relation to pods over time. Like initially, I'll probably just put them into pods you know, randomly, relatively, according to their schedules, and then let, let them self-organize from there. Like you can shift out of a pod, you can join a second pod, it, yeah. you know, it's like you could make a pod around your, gen, you know, sexual orientation, you can make a pod around where you live, you can make a pod around a project that you're working on and just like let people find their, their way there. There was the other thought that I had was, um, you could use some of those two hour blocks you've got with everyone um, as kind of speed dating. You know, like you have breakouts where you actually put people in pairs, simple prompt, take 15 minutes and it's like you get to meet a couple more, couple more people. And so that, that will facilitate then, yeah, the ability to self-organize because like, oh yeah, I know Peter and I know Jim and you can start kind of walking the web that way. Yeah, yeah we were thinking that already in our first, first two hour session that that'll be a portion of it is just a number of dyads, just combination of sort of authentic relating and maybe some Joanna Macy type things just to just, you know, have a few diodes. Cool. Yeah. When you said, when you said, what was it that you share, you used the term just because I hadn't heard that particular term, although it sounds familiar, but um, was it sharing and looping or something? How did oh, you listen, listening and looping, listening and looping. What, what is that referred to specifically? Um, it's just, I mean, I use it as a kind of catch all term for that, that, that style of active listening where you report back what you heard. I you see. Know, got, so got tell me something. And then I like, Yes, yeah. when you said, especially, you know, variations that, like, you know, when you said X, it made me feel Y or like, got it, got it, you got know, it, it really yeah. struck me, da, 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 like just yeah. anything that like confirms the reception of the message. It's yeah, like, cool. Ding. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like NVC and authentic relating skills. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, fun. Um, I'm also curious about, um, yeah, like, what role microsolidarity is going to play in this whole mix. And um, I really enjoyed, I listened to this talk this morning from Jordan Hall. And one of the things that he was saying is like, there's this massive mobilization of the open source network at the moment, you know, like of all the different specialties, whether it's understanding how to mass produce masks or it's like doing this kind of stuff. Everyone's kind of like, and quickly making new relationships and credibility networks as well as action networks and everything. Um, and, he, and his advice was that like one of the things is you've got all of these people who have been um, basically overworked social change people who have been doing 10 people's job at once. Um, and now suddenly all these extra people have turned up and it's on the, it's on the experienced ones to actually stop doing 10 people's jobs and start doing one or two and, and put stuff down. And so like, I'm like, that's a really good message for me to hear about putting stuff down. So like, what's the part that I really want to focus on that's the most useful uh, and leaving space for other people to take on the other parts. So for instance, I, I really, um, suddenly it's, it's reached that priority threshold of like, oh yeah, I really need to get a bunch of 
get to know a bunch of people in the authentic relating community and just really understand what that framework and methodology has got to offer because I think it's doing most of the stuff they want to do for the first part of the on-ramp, you know, like give people the skills to start weaving social fabric together. I think it does that. So why would I reinvent that? Just let them do that. And um, so then it's like, well, what is the part? And there's one part, which is like, I mean, the part that I get paid to do, which is uh, troubleshooting collaborations, you know, like when you're actually six months down the track of having been connected and stuff's getting difficult, that's, I'm good with that. But um, the other part, that's kind of like the hum, you know, I have these different brands and they all have different content in them. But I think the micro solidarity thing um, could be a kind of um, translation layer between these different frameworks and, and different communities and different methodologies and say like, what I imagine happening is, you know, there's a little, a little bubbling energy in the micro solidarity Lumio group. And I've been trying to like not step in and just see how it, just see how it wants to go on its own. But what I can imagine is having a bunch of people like you, for instance, and each one has their own thread, which is just like, I'm doing this thing. It's called the transformational leadership path. This is the design. This is the plan. And I'll be in here every couple of months, making a little report about how it's going. And that minimal sort of sense of like having a diary that is shared with other practitioners, um, now then, then I can imagine, you know, having community calls or something where it's like you, you make this pitch to the, it's just another community of practice, right? Like that there's these other practitioners that can um, learn from what you're doing and, also, and, you know, get the references. Like, oh yeah, that is a perfect little video. That 20 minute thing, you, you know, that's really excellent. Um, and also give you some insight um, and, and, and weave that relationship really tightly. And then my job is, is like, just naming the patterns, because that's the thing that seems to come naturally to me. It's just like, this, this thing here seems to be really essential. The rest you can kind of fluff it, but just get this right. Um, that feels like it could be a, a good piece to throw in, into the stack. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it resonates. I want to take a couple threads from what you said, because I've been <clears throat> explicitly thinking along similar lines. So one is something I've been working on even specifically last night and this morning is basically creating a Google Doc where I just try to exhaustively list everything that somebody else could be helping out with. Mm. So just like everything, you know, mm. and really getting specific so that it's easy for people to just grab something, kind of put their name on it and take it and run with it. And, and also part of that is also differentiating between what is something that, that I kind of trust anybody could pick up and run with and what are things that I'm like, no, actually, I kind of want to make sure that they really know something about WordPress and really good web design before I hand them this piece, you know? Yeah. So differentiating be sort of entry level versus uh, expert level things that people could take on. So one is I'm basically working on that so that, so that we can really, I can abundantly invite other people into collaboration is one thing. And then the second is really like part of my, I think it's like, if I think of it in IFS terms, it's me relaxing my managers that have mm. so long believed that I needed to prove my competency and how amazing I am in order to be loved and valued and welcome in community. And that if I don't shine like the brightest star in the entire sky, that I'm going to be obliterated and yeah. not survive. And yeah. just like to really relax that and realize, Carl, like, you pulled this together like that's already a pretty big <laughs> that's already a pretty big role in the constellation so yeah. how about you chill out a little bit and yeah. like really invite other people's like facilitation and gifts to the fore and like, in the past that's been quite difficult for yeah. me 
on an unconscious level. Yeah. And I'm really pleased to see it's like, oh yeah, I can sort of calm that <laughs> manager down and say, yeah, 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 I know. I know you you need to trust that you're gonna be loved and that you're, you're really good enough and things like that. But you can invite, you know, Rich can come talk about micro solidarity and Donald can facilitate connection activities. I know that you're really good at it too, but- like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you thanked them for their service? Because they obviously mobilized you to do some uh, excellent work. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, I laugh because I recognize that. That's been part of the that's been part of the emotional turmoil as well for me is this whole thing of like the desperate need to be useful and to be efficacious and to be like an agent, you know, and it's just like part of the lesson of this pandemic is like this is the biggest change I've ever lived through and it was not made by a change maker, you know? Like there's not a human agency that's involved in this process. I mean, now there's human agencies responding to it, but yeah. change doesn't happen because Carl and Rich are so smart and they got organized, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, in that sense, I, I really feel one of the most powerful lessons since in the last two weeks or so is in a, in a way, again, through the lens of IFS, I would simply call it being self-led but from let's say a Taoist perspective, it's like going with the Tao instead mm. of going from like the part of me that's trying to be an effective change maker or the part of me that's like anxiously trying to be of service or whatever it is. And instead like really listening for wait, what, where am I truly called? Like how is life moving through me in a way that is not contrived, that is not from obligation, that is not from lack, but is simply me being me mm. to the best of my ability in this moment. And mm. that's what that's what created this next experiment of the TLP is that I said, I, there's a thousand things that need doing on the planet right now, but I seem to be called to pull people together to up, you know, skill up in these particular ways and to find clusters of community because it seems like for so many people, it's the missing link for so many people, that combination of both community and practice is the missing link. And I think I'm, I actually have some ability to help facilitate that happening, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that I have a, a very similar but slightly distinct flavor or kind of skill set of that than let's say you do. Like you have an amazing skill set for exactly that as well. And we have like overlapping but slightly distinct flavors of it. And it's like, okay, Carl, like trust that your your expression of this is useful right now for some people for as long as it's useful you know in combination with whatever sets of other contributions are out there are you um intentionally kind of uh doing that internal inquiry and and checking like okay there's a hundred things i could do which is the one that feels most life-giving or the one that feels most like life moving through me yeah, I, I'd say it'd be, it's become more and more um, intuitive and natural. Mm. Um, Sometimes I, I think through my own sort of buddy system that I have in terms of, I, I'm sort of constantly on a daily basis noticing where there's stress in my system mm. or where there's disconnect, where there's exhaustion, where there's aliveness. And I'm beginning to learn to read that much more clearly about whether or not I'm actually acting from an agenda 
of a part that, that causes actually stress in my system versus something that's like, oh no, like I feel like staying up till midnight because this needs to be done and this is what I want to be doing and so let's do it. So that's, I, I feel like my sensitivity to that feedback mechanism is increasing through sort of regular, regularly checking with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of that um, both intentionally and, and just kind of instinctively. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to discern between um, what's elegant, you know, that sort of like this effortless thing. Ah, oh, yeah, I can just do that. Like, I've just done that. It, it, it didn't take a bunch of effort. And what's lazy? You know, like what's, um, <laughs> lazy is maybe not a very helpful word, but sometimes there's stuff that I need to, I think it's worth going through a little bit of resistance and putting in a bunch of effort sure. to kind of like lift the bucket of water up higher yeah. and, then, and then it's got the energy for it to go downhill. Yeah. Um, and I haven't figured out yet, like how to distinguish between those two. Well, it's interesting when you say that, you know, I, I think you're, you're onto something when you, you know, catch on the word lazy, because that, that to me is an indicator of a polarization that's occurring. Mm. Like as soon as I hear the word lazy, it suggests to me that there's uh, one part of you that's sort of saying like, oh, you should be willing to kind of put in a little bit more effort for this. And then another part that's actually putting on the brakes and they both have really beautiful needs and impulses underneath them. And they they're not quite in full collaboration and so one is calling the other lazy and the other one is saying, fuck you, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a core polarization for me really of like, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> how do you, how do you balance growth and self-acceptance? You know, like, Oh, I'm accepting myself. It turns out that I'm really lazy and I drink a lot and I don't do any exercise. It's like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also my life seems to get better when I exercise some discipline and some willpower and like, you know, kind of knuckle down sometimes. And that's just a bit like, I don't know. I don't know how to strike that balance because it's very easy to then tip over and to do this whole discipline thing of like, you're a bad man. You must do the good things and then you'll be a good man and people will love you. And, you know, <laughs> so we're explicitly, so I'm in this IFS level one training. So mm. to be an IFS therapist and we're specifically the, the latest, um, dynamic that we're exploring is polarization between parts and it's exactly what you're describing. So what happens is when parts get polarized, they tend to become more extreme. And so it becomes this tug of war or seesaw pendulum effect where they're basically in an arms race, like an escalating arms race with each other and they won't deescalate, right? Because they're like, no, if he's not going to deescalate, I'm not going to deescalate. So they keep doing this. And so part of what we're learning to work with is how to give them in a sense, both enough, you know, enough empathy in a sense, like enough mm. understanding, and then to help them be in relationship with each other. It's almost like mediating between two people to really help them understand each other's needs so that they stop tugging back and forth. And they actually recognize that they, at the level of needs, they're, they're not in conflict. It's only mm. at the level of extreme strategies that they're mm. in conflict. Mm. But at the level of needs, they can actually work together really effectively. Mm. So I'll, I'll show, if, if you like, I'll show you this one other thing that I've uh, created recently based on this work. Um, let's see if I can find it. Where is it? 
but yeah, I think I can find it. Hold on. Um, this it's it's not the best depiction yet. It's just my first draft, but um, but it'll begin to give a sense. I, what it's missing that I think will make it much clearer to people is actually to depict the um, the extreme states. Like this to me is like the healthy states mm. of these different parts. But so on the one hand, uh, my managers, right? And on the other hand, some of my firefighters and then my exiles that they're protecting, right? Um, so this achiever, you know, in its extreme state, this achiever becomes like hyper-driven, like taskmaster to the extreme. The you need to fix the pandemic, Kyle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, in extreme state, the facilitator becomes this really stressed out multitasker. Yeah. And the coach becomes in extreme state, a, a, a really hyper-critical inner critic, right? Yeah. And the, the stop in extreme state becomes the, you know, is the counterbalance, right? Is, and so in extreme state is the one that's like, fuck you, I'm not gonna work. I, I'm paralyzed. I'm gonna shut everything down because you're not paying attention to me. And same, similar with the pleasure, pleasure seeker. You know, it's like, it has a beautiful need for pleasure, for fun, for play, connection, warmth, affection but an extreme state becomes like distraction, total, like, you know, derailing everything else in the effectiveness department. Um, and the exile, you know, this is obviously a healthy state of the exile, but an extreme when, when it's not well tended is like this crippled <laughs> like emotional wreck, basically yeah. super hungry. So, uh, oh, this one's missing the, well, this is a, an earlier draft, but um, I just found this a helpful little diagram and just to recognize that these often polarize with each other. And sometimes these will polarize with each other or these will polarize and, and how to help them come into healthier relationship with, with one another. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this, at this junction, it's like the, the achiever and the stop guy are just like, and I recognize it as, um, kind of conflict dynamics between people. Yeah. That, um, a lot of that fuel for the conflict is this assumption that there's not enough compassion for everyone. And so like, we're gonna have to choose someone and they're gonna get their needs met. And when you can like bust that frame and go, there's actually enough love for everyone. Like, yeah. we're gonna slow it down a bit. We're gonna unwind that and just go like, you want love? Yep, you want love? How about we give both love? You know, they're both good. You're both good. You're fine. <laughs> And it just makes perfect sense to me to, to zoom that down a notch and do that inside of myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because I want you to both rest and follow your <laughs> inspiration. But yeah, yeah as, soon, as soon as the word lazy comes in, to me, that's, that's a red flag that the- Yeah, same for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I flagged it for myself, right? It's like, it's a weird word. It's got all this such strange hangups and baggage around it that it's like, yeah. I don't even know what I mean by it, but like, Maybe it's more, maybe abdication or something like that is a better word of like, um, 
yeah, like disengaging, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's an engine and a transmission, transmission system. And then suddenly you just put it in the clutch and there's like no, no engagement. And, um, so instead of like a stop, exactly, it's not like hitting the brake, it's hitting the clutch. It's like, there's still a lot of energy in there, but it's just not being directed anywhere. And that's like that. Um, yeah. So it's hard to articulate exactly what it's like, but I think what, one of the things, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. If I think, no, you go. One of the things that we use in IFS that I find so helpful is just checking to see like, how do I feel toward the part of me that's disengaging? And that's the litmus test for whether or not we're in self energy. Because if I say anything other than compassion and curiosity and care, connectedness toward this part, then it shows that actually there's another part that's mm. kind of in the mix, which isn't bad. It just mm. means that I need to help that part get some understanding and to be willing to relax a little bit so that I can understand more fully. So as long as there's, as long as I have a sense that, oh yeah, I'm curious and compassionate about why my system is disengaging in this moment, then that means mm -hmm. that I'm actually in self energy. But if, but if I feel any degree of like frustration or sort of like, it just means that there's something else that just needs a little bit of loving attention to relax so that I can do the mediation thing in a sense and like help them both come into right relationship. Because once I really understand that disengagement impulse, I realize it's like, Oh yeah, you, you want to make sure that there's an inhale and an exhale. Like, you, you want to make sure that there's like a perspective on my entire well-being and that these young parts of me really are getting cared for in the mix. Like, oh yeah, like thank you. Like, thanks for helping me find a, a more holistic way to approach life mm. right now. Mm. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about how like, um, I can kind of manage those to a degree unconsciously by having the right routines established. So like my previous routine before lockdown was pretty much every day I'd walk at least an hour, often two hours, you know? Um, and often I'll be listening to a podcast or something and I'd modulate the podcast based on my mood. So it's either something very brainy or it's like, you know, listening to some nice Zen talk and a bit of a guided meditation or whatever. Um, and that was a way to have a kind of mental rest some physical exercise, um, mental stimulation if I want it, you know, because it can be very creative for me to be walking and thinking. Um, and it was just doing that every day, basically, was just this outlet, this kind of like, kind of, yeah, hitting all these things at the same time without really having to think about it. And now it's like, I'm stuck in this box. And um, I mean, even the routine of like having a 40-hour a, a work week that goes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you have two days off and like, that kind of thing is really helpful. And when I'm doing this community building work internationally, it's like people are calling me all over, the, you know, whenever. So I don't have that stable routine. The reason I, I gave myself permission to work today only, my only work for the day being writing one tweet was to say, like, well, I did quite a bit of work yesterday, you know, it's Sunday, but I had to do all this stuff and shit, of course I, I, I deserve a weekend just because it didn't happen to fall on the same day as everyone else. Um, so I can see the role of kind of culture as an architecture for 
helping people to just manage all those different parts. And we're in this process of disintegration, this, this liminal space between the structures that used to serve us and the next set of structures that's going to serve us. And we kind of have to put this extra effort in, I think, to make our own um, fill in the gaps. Absolutely. And for me, like living, you know, the periods of time, which I've only done briefly, although a, a certain stretch of my time, I lived this for a few years, but I'll, I'll give a bit of context. One is like living in monasteries or ashrams, you know, where there's a lot of structure and that structure mm -hmm. includes a lot of yin time, you know, like meditation, uh, conscious movement, uh, et cetera, you know, sort of built into at least the lifestyle of many ashrams and, and uh, monasteries. And that works so well for me, you know, it's like, it's an extraordinarily supportive structure for striking a balance of all my parts, because at least for many of us, right, in the way our culture is, it's so ramped up that the, the challenge is to have enough integration and downtime and, you know, yin time. So that's what I loved about that time. And when I think about when I was probably most effective and productive in my life was a period when I was actually training in Aikido 20 hours a week. I was basically an apprentice to a Japanese master where my schedule, I knew I, I was required by contractually to attend every single class. So I was at 20 plus hours a week of Aikido class, either teaching or practicing. And then the rest of my life I had, I was in graduate school and, you know, had my assignments and it was so structured, but it actually was beautifully balanced because there was actually like a social component as well as a physical and a spiritual component in the Aikido. And then the academic world also was in a social environment and was really meaningful work for me. It was a, a, such a perfect balance. And in a way, I can, that, that's what I'm interested in doing with creating what I call transformational learning communities is how do we create a 21st century ashram that isn't so dogmatic and that isn't about following a guru and isn't about like narrowly following one practice from a should or have to, but still has the life enriching structure that really uplifts this holistic lifestyle because I miss it terribly. You know, it's mm. one of the things I really enjoyed at Findhorn is that it also tended to support that kind of integrated lifestyle. I have a question. Yeah. And it's the kind of question that I think would be good if we sit with for a second, um, which is like, let's assume that the conversation we've just had had chapter one and then chapter two. Uh, and I'm curious about what chapter two has to do with chapter one. Like, what is this idea of, of routine and about um, yin and space and rest and the, the healthy expression of disengagement have to do with what you're doing with this uh, learning path? I'm going to have a quiet moment while I think about it. Yeah, that. I love it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, um, I think that I really saw you come alive in the last couple of minutes. Um, 
like I already felt connected and energized, but then it, it's, it felt like you stepped up a notch because I think you were connecting to past experiences that were really important and that are showing up in what you're doing now. And I just wanted to make sure that you were really making sure that those past experiences were, were well attended to in this, in this next phase that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's true. I realize <laughs> like my Aikido training has been one of the most significant threads in my life mm. and has been a tremendous gift. I, I was, as you can tell from the amount of training that I, I was like obsessively like dedicated to Aikido training. Um, and I'm very grateful for what it offered me. And yeah, it's why I, I didn't choose to use this name for the TLP. And actually, I don't love the name TLP. That's another conversation. I love your thoughts on, you know, I think it's problematic to call it a leadership thing, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I sometimes thought that really my life calling is to catalyze spiritual warrior Sangha is sometimes the term that works for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but it really speaks to me deeply. Mm. And even just one little example is weaving meditation into the beginning of each of the pod sessions and this is not a requirement but more just like we're gonna i'm gonna offer a template to the pods mm -hmm. for their sessions and it'll begin with rotated it'll be ro rotated facilitation and the person facilitating is invited to just facilitate a brief three to five minute meditation or something like that just that alone right in addition to the connection exercise in addition to all the rest you know, it's just like one little manifestation, but um, yeah, I love the I love the inquiry because you're right that this last part of the conversation touches on, I think, part of the unique thread of who is Carl mm. in, in in this work, and I'm I'm excited to keep exploring what the unique blending of these different energies is to what we're up to because. Yeah, I, I have a particular fiery, wire, watery, fiery energy <laughs> that I think is really well suited to a particular kind of community co-creation. Yeah, that makes good sense. I think part of uh, what was percolating for me was just like, seeing what you've designed with this program there's a lot of material, you know, obviously, like you said, you're not going to teach all of it. It's going to be kind of like woven in there. Um, and I imagine that there's going to be a pretty strong tendency to be like, fill up every moment with action, you know, and like, we've got these great people, they've got busy schedules, we've got to like, <clears throat> and I'm saying that because this is what I do with my programs. <clears throat> um, but, you know, are they also getting invitations from someone else, which is like, we want you to commit to this three hour a week process, which is just resting. Yeah. You know? But they're going to be getting all of these different invitations of like activity and stimulation. And, and I'm wondering how to like make the, like you say, the yin time part of the program, you know, that it's not, nice. um, it's not an optional extra that you kind of find your way into. It's like, yeah, this is, this is essential. Yeah. And that's something, I think that's something that I really appreciate about the, the theory you approach is that they always, in any kind of theory you practice, you're supposed to hit the bottom of the U, which to me is just that point where you don't do anything for a bit. You just go, see what happens, you know? 
And like you say, three minutes can be enough, but just so long as it's seen as, as um, critically important three minutes. Yeah, I agree completely. It's sweet too. It's, of course, it's my own version of the same polarity that we're talking of. I mean, I, as long as I can recall, have, I have such a driven manic overdrive kind of personality and just how essential it is for me to have stillness. This is really convincing me I need to buy a guitar. It's one of the things about migrating. It's like, I really see now, you know, like I, we moved and I brought the minimum amount of stuff that I could bring with me. So there's a whole bunch of stuff like my good headphones and yeah, my collection of guitars, which didn't, didn't make the cut. And now it's like, that's what that guitar is for. <laughs> that's the thing that I can do that relaxes me that still has some kind of engagement. So I'm not just like, spinning out in silence sitting there by myself. It's like an activity, it's playful. Um, but it just gives me access to, to like, yeah. It is, it, yeah, it's like um, inviting one of the parts to, to step up and all the other ones to sit down in the back for a bit. It's like, give this guy a turn. I've really noticed, like I've said about this emotional turmoil. Well, I didn't say turmoil, that's a nice word. I said chaos. Um, the emotional turmoil, that's, that's exactly what the word is. The tempests of emotion that I have been surfing in the last um, couple of weeks. The thing that has got me out reliably every time is finding the right music. Like the kind of music that just compels my body to move. Like that is, in this time, more than, more than I can even remember ever, I think. It's just given me this like, ah, there's a sweet relief right there and it's called the blues, you know? It's called like, severe, intense, brutal rhythms. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there it is. And it's, um, yeah, it's really awakening something in me that has been slumbering for a while, I think. Now I have to watch my consumerist parts that they don't go and just like buy a whole bunch of stuff to satisfy that. Just a little bit, just a few things, just to have the, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a part of me that wishes that, um we live next door so that I could lend you one of my guitars. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I have a good acoustic. I have a, I actually have a little travel electric guitar that's really mm. compact. And it's like, oh, I, you know, I'm using my keyboard more for music these days. And so I was like, oh, I'd love to give you my, if we had a transporter, I would send you a guitar. <laughs> I'm kind of tossing up at the moment between, should I learn how to make, I mean, should is not the right word. Could I learn how to make music on a computer? Because obviously a lot of people do that. The downside of that is like, oh, more computer. Yeah. Um, the upside is it's here and it doesn't, you know, there's no uh, physical cost to it. Um, or could I just order a new, new guitar? I mean, I've already got seven. I could have eight, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's not going to make a big difference here or there. They're important things to have. Uh, yeah. I'm also actually, I have a little fear. That's interesting. Um, there's this thing of like not being that good at it anymore. You know, like I used to play a lot and um, I never had the sense of like, I'm, I'm good at guitar and I'll, I'll be a performer or something like that. But I really put a lot of energy into it and, and felt like I had a certain kind of competency for starting to create um, 
musical stories. Mm-hmm. And I just know now that when I pick it up, I'm going to be really clumsy. And it's like, and maybe that's the thing that I'm going to practice with, right? God damn it. <laughs> this that's is what I'm talking about. Everything's full of fucking lessons and learning materials. <laughs> Well, one thing Marshall Rosenberg said that I really, really appreciate that is such, uh, you know, he had a number of little aphorisms that I thought were so brilliant. And one of them is, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. (laughs) And, you know, he really, I I love it. I don't know if you ever saw, did you ever see Marshall Rosenberg like in a video or something like that? Because invariably he would pull out his guitar and play his super simple little songs. And his voice was not necessarily a great singing voice at all, but he would just plunk it out. And it just, it was so heartfelt that people often felt deeply, deeply connected to it. And I just saw him do that again and again, actually, in ways that I was really inspired by. Yeah, my, uh, one of my co-founders from Lumio, actually, John Lemon, he's an excellent musician, by the way, but, um, his expression, which is just like that, is dare to suck. Like, death is what? Dare, dare to suck. Oh, dare like, to suck. Yeah, yeah. That's just <laughs> if you're really courageous, you'll do a crap version, you know? Like, show us the dumb one. It's, uh, it's such a good creative yeah. lens. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the newfangled interpretation of Marshall Rosenberg. Hmm. This conversation has been even more satisfying than that good tweet that I wrote today. Oh, that's delightful to hear. Yeah, I'm enjoying it very much. It's just, yeah, I continue to enjoy our conversations around, oh, companionship. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's really peculiar, right? To find another one, like, really have that sense of kinship of some kind of um, shared path we're walking on. It's really sweet. Super sweet. One thing I want to say, too, you know, to make explicit is that when and if it's fun for you, it'd be, of course, super sweet to have you just drop into this experiment with folks. So, you know, I know I've, I know you have plenty on your plate, and it, but if, if it'd ever be fun for you, it'd be, a, uh, I just, I think you'd really enjoy the humans, you know, yeah. and some of them are based in Europe. And so I think it would be a, a rich uh, intersection to have. Uh, so I can tell you that there's a kind of, there's kind of threshold. So there's, um, we have a good relationship. And so there's the first threshold of ease, which is like, invite me into a thing where I don't have any prep and we just, we just be in relationship with each other. And I'm like, ah, I can do that anytime. No problem. That's like, that's life giving and energizing. And then there's the next threshold, which is like, okay, we could design something, host something, you know, prep, put some that. And it's like, that would be really rewarding. I'm sure. But takes, that's a bit more like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely, definitely having to like fend things off. So I'm trying to work out that line, you know, yeah and i was meaning more the former i think because i think i have an intuitive understanding that you you have plenty going on at the latter level and i you know i would i look forward to the day when it feels like the exact right thing for us to do something more substantial but i i like the thought of you being able to kind of step into a nice hot tub full of lovely humans (laughs) where it feels easy for you to connect and just we can jam together in a little Mm. conversation Mm, that'd be good I want a hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I'll look for that. I think I can imagine maybe actually at the end of this, um, 
at the end of this four week experiment, maybe we could do just a, a, a session at the end of that or something where you just come in and yeah, we can see, we can see it could be just like a. Let us find a different idea, which is uh, one of the, uh, which is top 10 tips kind of things that I'm always reaching for when it comes to collaboration is most people need to make more space for doing a retrospective process of like, right. how was that thing? So maybe I could do that. Maybe I could hold that for you and, and hold a space where both you and all the rest of the participants are kind of on equal footing. Um, and we just go like, what worked? What was not so good? That yeah. sort of thing and, and have an open floor for that. Oh, I love it. That'd be super fun. Yeah, as long as, long as it like felt truly, like I would want you to just feel free to even just show up and let it be totally informal and fun for you. Um, and that we found a way that like you could get juiced up by it as well, you know? So, and, mm. and I'm happy to try to support in, in looking at that, but that- that I'm very easily juiced up. All okay. you have to say is like, oh, great job, great job, Rich. You're so great. Yeah, good, 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 good job, boy. Pat, 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 pat. And then I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, that'll be eas easily done. <laughs> what, what's fun with this group is because so many of the people in this first iteration are facilitators themselves. Um, that what I'm intending to do is actually design in feedback every single step of the way. So there's opportunities for both verbal and written feedback every, every week, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, I think that kind of retrospective at the end of four weeks will be so rich mm. in terms of people having, yeah, had an opportunity to really look at like what's working, what's not working, how could we improve? Like, what could I do differently? What could we do differently? So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited about the, the organ, like the collective learning process. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to hear that landed because it's, um, it's a, my, I'm recognizing like, kind of like you with your Aikido and say, oh yeah, that's part of my distinctive mix, right? Like, that's my entrepreneurship side meets community building. Like, uh, a lot of people don't have that overlap and it's a good one. Yeah. Super. Uh, um, I noticed my energy is kind of distracted because I'm, sure. I'm kind of running out of puff. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, how would you feel about, since we made this recording, how would you feel about sharing it in the Micro Solidarity Group? Sure, glad to. Because I've just got this instinct of like wanting to work out loud and sort of show, yeah, show our work as we're doing it and see how people, Happy see how people respond. Happy right. to. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you the link. Yes. Oh, I noticed just in the pause. I just, yeah, my heart feels really warm. Just, yeah, if I were with you, just like big, 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 big hug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, I would be up for that. I would really push it to the limit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really sweet for me to have this. Um, I think the, the quality of our first meeting has really set something in, in stone for me about like, um, it felt like you saw me at my worst uh, when we first met, um, and and I'm I'm glad you did, and you you were a worthy partner for that moment, and so now I feel like yeah such ease and 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 
yeah flow and and like i said kinship it's really really sweet so glad and if that's you at your worst i i, I want to see worse <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah okay i can get there i, I reckon i've got new depths where it really become <laughs> me, me too <laughs> <laughs> Know that I'll I'll be I, I believe I could be right there with you. So <laughs> yeah, great, great. <laughs> uh, many blessings. I wish you a good good evening. Enjoy the rest of your day, Kyle. Till next time. Bye bye. Ciao. Ciao.